Welcome to the Local Legends in Running podcast, where you hear the stories from local legends of Australian running that you've simply always wanted to hear. Today in episode nine, I interview Brisbane's Cara Fian Ryan. Cara is currently one of the top women's runners in the country. She specializes in the steeplechase and is currently ranked amongst the top three women in Australia and top 50 in the world. Cara has also recorded very respectful times professionally across the 1,500 to 10,000 on the track and also the 5K and 10K on the road. She only narrowly missed qualifying for the Olympics last year and still has ambitions to compete at the World Champs and Com Games this year with teams announced late July. So tune in to hear from one of Australia's best female middle distance runners as she talks honestly but modestly about her upbringing and experience as a young professional female runner in the country. Hey, how are you going? Hello, good, thanks. How are you? Oh, you're one of the first who's had audio like straight up from the front. I've had so oh, many really? audio issues. Yeah, normally it's not me, but yeah, <laughs> I sat in front of the last two guests and we were here for like half an hour. <laughs> oh no, I guess the benefits of um, two years of COVID, I've gotten pretty good at Zoom. <laughs> yeah, do you use it for work or anything? For uni, so for most of my uni it was online and then bit of work stuff as well yeah okay yeah right hey um i've seen you out on on, on uh the sheldon track there this morning did you have a session yeah yeah so back into sessions this morning so we normally do saturday morning at sheldon yeah right yeah. have you trained there for a while yeah i have so my group on track running um we've been based out of sheldon since they built their track which was probably three years ago now i think so oh, right. before that, we were out at QSAC, but yeah, we're pretty lucky at Sheldon. It's um, a private track, so we're the only group that uses it. Yeah, I don't see many down there. Um, yeah. But yeah, welcome welcome to the podcast. You're the second female I've had on here, actually. So I'm looking forward uh, to that. And, and I'll, you know, my plan is to get a variety of guests on here, both men and women, older, younger runners, coaches and everything. So I'm really excited. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's great to be on. I'm excited to have a chat and get into some some running stuff. Yeah, just tell me about these um, Oceana Champs, Mackay. You were talking to me earlier in the week about that. I had a few few contacts on Strava up there, actually. I'm just trying to work out if they're in the same event as you, like Louis McAfee, was he around there? or? Yeah, I think that was actually a funny coincidence. So they, the Mackay Marina run was on last weekend. So that was on Saturday and then Oceana started on Monday or Tuesday, I think. Um, and I raced up there on Wednesday. So just a coincidence, I think, that the two events were very close together. Yeah, that's hilarious. So what, so what did you compete in and how, how was your experience up there? Yeah, it was good, thanks. I, mean, I competed in the 3,000-metre steeplechase. Um, so the Oceana Championships is Australia, New Zealand, and it's terrible, I don't remember them all, but a couple of the island countries that sort of make up Oceania, um, which is our, like the region that Australia belongs to when you're talking 
world athletics and on a world stage we all represent Oceania like so any Aussies that go compete at worlds technically like also represent Oceania which is the group of countries so every couple of years they have um, a major championships where all those countries can send a team so technically I, I was representing Australia in the uh, yeah I was gonna ask what chase. were you wearing like who were you representing yeah. so you're, you're in, in an Australian <laughs> yeah. Uh, outfit yeah 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 so in in the Aussie kit um, obviously it's a pretty low-key meet by standards compared to like a world champs or Olympics and stuff like that but yeah, you're still representing Australia and um, competing against a few other countries. Yeah, right. And, and so where did you place and what time did you get in the 3,000 steeplechase? Was that the only event you did there? Yeah. 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 So that, that's been my main event this season. So I placed second uh, and I ran 9.59. So I was, it came down to like the last 100 metres. Uh, I was in the lead going into the last water jump and just just got pipped in the last hundred unfortunately but it was a um, pretty hot and windy day up in Mackay so not not necessarily a personal best by my standards yeah but it was still yeah run. yeah and I've had a look at them prior to this it's about 30 seconds quicker isn't it your 3k steeple yeah. pb yeah. yeah 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 I guess the heat and wind wouldn't have helped no I mean normally we race at night um so conditions are normally pretty cool and a little bit better than what we got in Mackay, but that's all right. That's championship yeah. racing sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and Mackay, like I did the Brisbane Marathon Festival, the 10K weekend gone, and the weather was amazing. So when I was seeing these other guys up at uh, Mackay on the weekend thinking, oh, it's not going to be as good as down here. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> And um, so we've kind of been connected, like we're literally almost meeting on here, um, you know, which, which is part of the parcel of running a podcast. But, you know, most of the previous guests I've, I've had a, a reasonable connection with. And I think it was a Chris Littlejohn that sort of connected us together to get you on here. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So through another connection, actually, a teammate of mine at On Track Running, Matt Mather, he knows Chris quite well through work stuff and I think that's the, the connection there so small world very small world <laughs> oh, you know how I posted the I posted a thing up on Instagram about getting listener questions in and yeah. the questions that came in were from two people they were from Chris and and is it Matt yeah yeah <laughs> I think I think because Matt works at Nike and Chris works at um Brooks and I think they they have chats during their shifts a lot <laughs> I don't know oh, how. Oh, but... yeah, so they must work out a DFO there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both yeah, they're a DFO. all they're all close, yeah. aren't they? All those running yeah. brands. Yeah. <laughs> oh, small world. Um, now, yeah. so as per most of the guests, generally I I just run through like a, a personal bio, like just some sort of background on you uh, as a person, and then for you it's easy with the running times so because I can just type in um, your name and athletics, and you get you know your pretty comprehensive profile because you're you're pretty up there in terms of elite running so I've got them all ready to go and then then I'd like to get into the story behind where it started for you as a kid and then moving into school running um and then post school and then all the way up to now like who you're training with or if you're getting coached and that kind of thing yeah yeah that sounds good so if we start with um like where you're based and stuff That'd be, I think, a good starting point because I think I added you on Strava 
around maybe a year or so ago and I've seen you like just absolutely smashing the gravel around the Jim Sawley bikeway there um often running there but I think that may have changed in recent times I just recall seeing your name pop up there because I've done a lot of running there and I do yeah. love that that gravel section is great you get a couple k of gravel there and it made sense that you were you were training there yeah I really like that path out there I think um Oh, I just I flip around between different places and have just preferences for like a few months at a time um, but particularly with like all the rain and the floods I think I stopped going out there for a bit um, <laughs> yeah I don't know it just it just does change around a bit but I do like it out there uh, and, I, and especially like during lockdowns and stuff through COVID I really enjoyed running out there because it was a bit isolated like a oh bit, yeah that would have been not quite as busy you got yeah. a few um, KOMs for the, for the women out there? Yeah, yeah. So when I <laughs> couldn't train with the group, just went out and did a few like thresholds and stuff and fight legs and whatnot. So it was good fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say you'd rival the men too um, on the leaderboard. <laughs> so have you, where are you living now? And is that changed in the last few years since that point in time? No, so I live in Wakeley. So I've, I've lived here since I moved to Brisbane in 2015 in yep. this area um i just went on a bit of a bit of a hunt for new running locations during covid oh, okay. to be honest like just really enjoyed getting out and exploring new places i'm a uni student so i do have a lot of luxury with with my time um so i just like to go out to different places for runs it just really helps me yeah yeah, so, so I'm tell still us, in Wakeley. yeah yeah so tell us for a stubborn north sider in myself and then Anyone yep. who doesn't know Brisbane so well is what Wakeley's far on the south side, isn't it? Yeah, so I'm I am south side. I'd say like I'm not too far south side that you know the city is still pretty close to me. It's like 15, 20 minutes. And same with the north side, like to get to get across to that path, it's like 15 minutes, 20 minutes in good to traffic. The gym's early. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's only like because I'm right near the gateway motorway. Um, so it just doesn't take me that long to get around and I don't mind driving um, because I actually grew up in northern New South Wales and uh, where I live it's pretty much a half an hour drive to anything so I'm not one that I've, I don't have the the north side south side prejudices too too deeply yeah, yeah. in me so <laughs> I don't mind just going around and exploring different places and driving to runs because it usually means I enjoy it more. I love it it's uh you know, there must be passion there. And I've definitely gone for a drive to find place. I'm, I'm lucky to have that. I'm up near Nudgee College yeah. right now. And, and yeah. um, my mates know that I love the gravel around here. Have you tried the Boondah yeah. Wetlands gravel through there? Yeah, I have done that one a few times. Yeah. Um, again, that, that can be a little bit harder to get to with traffic. Um, and then in summertime, I find it quite warm. So that's probably more of like a, a winter location for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then again, with like, the rain we've had it's um i just haven't really gone up there as much because i thought it might be a bit bit wet <laughs> i reckon it's still wet yeah we've yeah it's been dry for maybe a week and a half now and it just yeah. it holds as it as its name with the wetlands it does hold a lot of water mm. unfortunately and it does get very hot and exposed in summer but awesome yeah. location in winter um mm. i might have to crop that off to avoid people listening and going out there because I've always loved it it's kind of like an untapped resource <laughs> it is yeah yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> um and the other thing too is 
you know, searching your name through Google and finding your times, I didn't realize how young you were or how old I am, but you definitely were younger than I'd realized. And often, especially when you've, you know, with running, you can kind of be on the scene, even at the back end of high school, like in the competitive scene opens, so to speak, I guess. Mm. So, you know, you seem to have been around for a long time already, at least a handful of years competing. Has it's been about sort of five years then out of school? Yeah, yeah. So this this will be my sixth year out of school now. So definitely well into the open age group. I think yeah. um, thanks to a couple of COVID years, it makes me feel a bit older than I am sometimes, which I know is, I know I'm on the younger side of athletics, but it doesn't feel like that long ago since I was at school. Um, but yeah, I've definitely been competing all through school and then have been competing since school as well. Yeah. Hey, you're, you're only six years from masters. That's, that's 30 years. You know that, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that's crazy. No, <laughs> it's all right. People still go to the Olympics in their thirties. So that's pretty, pretty Well cool. and truly. <laughs> and we're going to talk about particularly longer distances too, where the older runners definitely, even in 10K, but definitely half a marathon yeah. do thrive. So what about, um, are you working yet post-studying or are you studying for the purpose of getting that first dream job? Yeah, so still studying. Um, I did a couple of years of exercise sports science when I first finished school at the University of Queensland and then transferred into speech pathology. So I'm currently in my third year of speech pathology. So and I've just gone part-time, so it's going to make it a little bit longer just to um, have a bit more time for training as well because it's a pretty full-on course. But hopefully I'll be done in a couple of years. <laughs> That's the yeah. aim. So the, the idea of where you're heading changed a fair bit into the speech side of things? And what, yeah, what it actually, that? yeah, it actually was the plan coming out of school. I just didn't quite get the, the OP back in the day, now it's ATAR, yeah, to yeah. get in. So I just um, worked through a couple of years of, of a different degree just to get the GPA up and transitioned across. Yeah, okay. So but, what, yeah. what's the idea now with, with the course? Where do you see yourself working in, in the near future? Um, hopefully, I think I'll head towards the paediatric population. Um, I, as part-time job, I work as a school cross-country and athletics coach, you know, from ages grade two to grade 12. And I do really love working with kids. So I think that's where I'll go, whether it's private practice or school system. I guess I'll work that out, but I think that's where yeah. I'll go. Yeah, okay. So just tell us about that briefly with the coaching. You mentioned it earlier to the start of the interview. What's, um, where, where is that at and what sort of coaching are you doing? So I finished up school at Moreton Bay College. So I went there for grade 11, 12, and I still coach there. So yeah. I work with, the primary cross-country and athletics teams and the secondary cross-country and athletics teams. Um, so my coach, Ben Norton, he writes, he runs the program. He's the head coach for Morton Bay College for the uh, QG SSSA team, which is the high school team. And then I sort of take a lead role with the primary school team and they compete in a big inter-school comp, Andrews Cup. Um, for cross country and athletics so between those two big age groups big teams um, it goes all year round so yeah yeah pretty cool and so does Morton Bay College compete against all those well-known Brisbane schools like Wallows yeah. and Somerville and 
Yeah. Yeah. So the the QG is the equivalent of of Jeeps in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, so it's the the biggest school comp um, for we compete state high. Yeah. Um, St Peter's, Somerville, St Margaret's, St Aidan's, and a couple other St Hilda's. Um, and in athletics, we're I think five years in a row with the win for QG and cross country. We. Oh, wow been on the podium the last couple of years state high is a pretty dominant force we just had our qg a couple yeah, of weeks ago that. and we got we got third yeah so it was state high grandma and then us and we're a pretty small school so it's actually pretty impressive um we only have like five or six hundred girls i think when you compare to state high that has oh the 4, two thousand kit well yeah, yeah four thousand students yeah roughly total. Yeah. so if we have it roughly mm, a couple thousand yeah. that's crazy yeah, yeah. So is that is that all your coaching then is it is it your influence <laughs> oh hopefully uh, well the primary team that's probably more like probably my team and we've won andrew's cup the last couple of years so i'll take that one ben yeah. norton probably gets a bigger cut for the um the high school team i'm more of a secondary influence there but i really love it so it's great to be a part of it oh that's great and so what about away from running you, you got any other um hobbies that are, are quite distant from the sport or different um not really i i love to read go to the beach especially um because i grew up near the beach that kind of thing but it's mainly the running and um the study i really enjoy those things so where i have downtime i'll chill out watch a movie read a book that kind of thing but nothing too extravagant outside of running and school and uni really yeah yeah, yeah fair <laughs> enough i actually thought that whatever's behind you was a piano when you first came I on did the, uh... used to play yeah I did used to play the piano when I was in school um but probably lost lost touch with it when I finished school so yeah fair enough I actually I play a bit of piano uh, myself but um I've lost time for that with my son arriving 15 months ago but um yeah I'll dabble a little bit hey I've seen um I've seen, uh, you know, just when I'm looking around at, at the guests coming on the show, I just try and find sort of background stuff on them. I know it can sound a bit weird, but I'm about to tell you, I've been scrolling through your Instagram, but I did do that <laughs> to get to get some um, ideas for the podcast. I've seen you traveling through Europe and that kind of thing. You've been to a few areas over there. And, and was that for running or was that um, with like a friends or family trip? So the, my Europe trip was purely just a holiday with mum. Um, it was a couple of years after I finished school, um, just wanted to go explore, go travel. And I'm so glad we did considering now what we've gone through with COVID. It was just a couple of years pre-COVID. Um, I had actually also missed out on um, the World Under 20s team that year. So I thought I might've been traveling anyway for that. So it was a bit of a, instead of doing that, let's go overseas on a fun holiday and it really was great nice one highlights any any sites or or areas that you you preferred i loved paris which yeah. um i i feel is a good omen for for 2024 olympics um absolutely loved that city it was really beautiful just like everywhere you go is just so historic and there's just monuments everywhere and that's just their everyday life so it's pretty cool um and then um Rome and Barcelona, I went to those two cities as well. And they were also really fun places for different reasons. So I, I loved it. Like I'd love to travel more when I get the opportunity because it, it really is a lot of fun. 
Yeah, it, and it definitely feels like a distant thing. I've been over to Paris too. It's amazing. And yeah. it's definitely, definitely um, some great areas there from, from what I've seen. When I went there, I wasn't as much of a runner as I am now, but from what <laughs> I've heard and what I've seen and, and the weather looks yeah. pretty good to explore yeah. as an athlete. Um, oh, it's cool to get a bit of an idea of um, the life behind Cara. But we're going to move into the running side of things, your times and that, and that sort of thing. And then I want to hear about particularly where, where are you kind of placed with the other female athletes in Australia because that that can be one thing that can be hard to find there's like there's different things you can do on the RAAF profiles where you compare runners and that kind of stuff and you can also sort of look up rankings but I just want to um, make that pretty clear after I read out some times if that's all right yeah okay so 800 meters on the track to I'm rounding it up to 213 1,500, 422, 3,000 metres, 915, the 5,687, 10,000, 3,37, sorry, 10,000, 3437, 2,000 steeple, 641, 3,000 steeple, 936, 5K, 1615. And these are all in the last two years, two to three years, bar the 2,000 steeple over in Perth in 2016. So why is that one sort of an anomaly there on the list? So ironically, I I haven't raced a 2,000 steeple since then. That was actually the last time I raced it, which... I have been meaning to do another one. It just hasn't quite fit into the schedule because I don't do them very often for open athletes. So that 2016 race was um, the national championships when I was in grade 12. Yeah, I and I actually that, yeah. won. I won that race. That was the under 18 steeple. Um, so that was a pretty, pretty exciting moment for me. Um, and then, yeah, just never, never raced it again because when you go to opens, you obviously jump to 3K. So just kind of shifted focus to that. Yeah, right. Well, it gives us an idea to start with. So you were the fastest 2,000 metre female steeplechaser in that year, in 2016, for under 18. So at that point in time, you know how over time school kids have become older because they, they've started, you might have missed this whole thing. I'm trying to get my mathematics in terms of your age right that they start like prepping year one later. So now we're finding year 12 was tend to, to be turning 18 a bit more now. Whereas when I went through school, it was pretty rare to be 18. Generally you were sort of born that, that year prior and parents decide to keep you back. And then, you know, there's a couple in your, in your grade who are 18. Um, so at that point in time, was there a fair few competitors in the, in the, in the field and the race? Yeah, yeah. So I was one of the younger ones, so turning 17 in grade 12. Um, and it was it's a pretty competitive age group when you're going through school back then. Um, there honestly weren't, I think, that many that were 18. I think most were 17, um, particularly in the, the running scene. And a couple of the girls are still still doing it now. Um, a lot don't, but yeah, it's a, it's a, good, it's a good race. Yeah, for sure. I'm just I'm eyeing off the um, locations of your events. Cusack seems to have got a bit of a workout from from Cara. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Eight hundred and fifteen were there PBs, and the five thousand was there. Um, all three of them, but that's that's three of about seven, eight times I've just read out. 
um, the 3000 meter in Sydney last year, the 915. That was this year, yeah. Sorry, that's 2022. That was this year. My apologies. Um, and Gold Coast for the 10,000 meters with your 34, 37. And then Townsville last year, Sports Reserve for the 3000 steeple PB. Bit of variety. Yeah. Yeah, it does get me around all the all the events. I um obviously the steeple is the one I mainly run interstate, um except for the three k this year. That was another interstate race, but a lot of my stuff is in Queensland because it's a lot easier to get to. Yeah, and what event was that in Townsville? Was there a particular occasion? Yeah, it was um a little bit of a random one. It was. The Festival of Athletics, they just they have one every year in Townsville. Um, but particularly last year, it became a bit of a target for quite a few athletes who were trying to qualify for the Olympics but couldn't go overseas. Um, so normally not many people go to Townsville in June to compete, but um, it became a really big event last year purely because of where the Olympics was, was placed. So it was a few weeks, I think, before the qualifying period shut last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The end of yeah. June, yeah. For sure, yeah, and we'll get to that shortly. Um, because I just want to finish with looking at this 5K time. Was that at Noosa Bowls? Yeah. yeah. Last I year, that was TV terribly hot. I made, yeah, what, with oh. with a number of U-turns and yep. it was like 28 <laughs> degrees, wasn't it? It was Humid. so hot. Yeah, unfortunately, I was I came fifth that day, and unfortunately, I was in third. And the last five hundred meters, the heat really got to me, um, and unfortunately, got passed by two people. But it was it was very hot that day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But I, I would assume you haven't done many five k road races. Would that be right? Obviously, park no, runs that's you might right, have done, yeah. but five k. Yeah. Generally, when you're competing at your level, you, you, you wait for the 10K roads or for you, obviously, it's yeah. been a lot on the track. So what yeah. attracted you to the Noosa Bolt event? Was it all the um, all the fashion side of things, all the all the ladies <laughs> in sunglasses and, and uh, all their fashionable attire? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, no. Um, I love the Noosa Bolt. I think it's such a cool event. Um, I can't believe, like, how much atmosphere it gets every yeah, yeah, year. Yeah, no, it does. Um, it, yeah. I think because I, I, I did have a pretty big improvement in the last couple of years. So I did the Noosa Bolt uh, the last time it was on. So that would have been 2019. And then obviously they missed 2020 and did it in 2021. And I went back and had a look. I think in 2019, I ran like 18.30. And oh. this time around, I ran 16.15. So it was a big difference. Um, and I was pretty determined to come back and do it a bit better the second time around. So but it's such a fun event. Like I just yeah, love the nothing concept like it. of it. Yeah, because yeah. how long is the like one lap out? Is it like, is it half the K or? 1.25 K or something strange like that. Is that a full, yeah. full out and back or just one way out? Oh. So it must be 600 or something. The, then, full, the full out and back, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it would be about, yeah, 600, I guess. So out. you reckon you do four of those? Otherwise it'd be, yeah. Yeah, it would yeah. be 500 out and back to do five yeah. loops. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah, which means, you know, you get a really cool crowd around there too. Nothing, yeah, nothing else is like that. You get that at the finish of, you know, major fun runs, but yeah. not the entire way. Obviously what you're 
compromise is the fact you've got to turn around a lot. But yeah, yes. it is it is an amazing <laughs> event. I've probably never been quick enough to go and do it. Um, I'm getting quicker in my older age, so maybe I might get there soon. But um, yeah. I'm running out of time. <laughs> They dropped the qualifier last year. Oh, they so. did. Oh, I was might, annoyed by that. I was really close. annoyed. Yeah, I like <laughs> I like these things being elitist because you work mm. towards them. I worked towards them all about Twilight, um, yeah. one a few years ago, and they did the same. No, they actually mixed the elite with the fun runners, and for a number oh, of years, right. they were trying to make the cutoff, which must have been something like I don't know six, seventeen minutes for the men, mm. um, and then they'd gone and mixed the race together. But uh, it's very, very similar event too, but different in the fact that you loop around so much and the crowds are amazing. Massive weekend as part of yeah. triathlon. So in summary, with where I started with it all, what? so just give us an idea of what your favourite event is, but probably more so in terms of competing. What is what is your event and where where are you placed within within the women in the country? So my favourite event would have to be the 3,000 steeplechase. Um, but I do really enjoy the one up, one down, so the 1,500 and the 5K as well. But um, my main event's definitely the, the 3K steeple. This year at Nationals, I came third in the Open Women's 3K steeple. Last year I was second. So um, I'm in that sort of top top three um, which is really exciting place to be. And the steeple is getting more and more competitive in Australia, which is really awesome because for a few years it probably wasn't as competitive, but it's really starting to get more popular now. Yeah, for sure. And who are those other two women that you're, you're rivaling with in the top three? So last year it was um, Jen Lacaz, who is actually having a baby oh, yeah. very well, soon. She so she's out this then... year. Yeah, yeah. Then, then she had the baby. Yeah, so yeah. So at the moment, it's um, Amy Cashin, who she went to Tokyo Olympics last year, and she actually lives over in America. So we don't get to compete against each other very often, but she was at nationals. She got the win there, and then the other girl is Brielle Urbacker, who is actually my age and um, born and bred Queenslander. So we've raced each other for a few years, and it's um, pretty cool that we're the same age. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic to have that um, both rivalry, but then also the connection with them. Um, so just talk us through then last year, we were mentioning off air earlier today about, um, you know, that, that, that period of time for qualifiers, for Olympics and world champs and com games and all these things. Um, so and so when, when were those periods and, and how close did you get at that point in time to, to making those qualifiers in the Aussie team? So last year was a pretty pretty big season for me. I started the season with a PB of 10.16 and by June it was uh, 9 minutes and 36 seconds. So I took 43 Jeez. seconds off. Looks a lot bigger because um, of COVID because we missed a whole year of nationals. Um, but at nationals last year when I placed second to Jen, that was in a time of 9.38, um, at that point, uh, I got approached by Athletics Australia and they said, look, you're probably in contention for making the Olympics if you keep competing um, and try and up your ranking a little bit or run the qualifier. So the automatic qualifier last year was nine minutes and 30 seconds, which mm. obviously I didn't achieve, but there's a second way into the Olympics where if you're ranked in the top 45 in the world, you get to go. Um, so. 
at the end of last year in end of June, I finished in 48th place in the world and I had accumulative points of 1,188 and to make the Olympics, you needed 1,190 that year. So I was two points off, which is pretty tiny um, with how they work out the points. Um, so it was, it was very, very close. The day before they like recalculated all the rankings, I was 42nd and then moved to 48th. So it was very close. <laughs> um, and they did end up sending three Australians, um, even though I was ranked third that year because of where the Olympics got postponed from in 2020. So obviously it was meant to go ahead in 2020, then got pushed to 2021. They had three years worth of qualifying stand, like qualifying events. So everyone who was already looking to go in 2019 and 2020, still their points and rankings all counted in 2021. So I came in at the last minute, ran really well at nationals. I won every race after nationals last year that I competed in in Australia, but it just wasn't quite enough to get ahead of girls who had been competing since 2019. So it was pretty crazy a pretty wild um, few months trying to do that on top of full-time uni and work as well. But um, it was really cool to get that close. <laughs> Disappointing, but very cool. Oh, it's amazing. And, and you know, this gives us an idea of, of how high you really are. Um, in the country and, and when you're putting names like Jen Lacaz, uh, you know, in the, in the frame as well, obviously you're doing very well for yourself. And that, that's probably something to show too for women's running that how much we hear about Jen and, uh, and this is no offense to you, but less so Cara, when you're only, you know, two or three places behind someone who's quite a figurehead for women's elite running. It's interesting, hey? Yeah, it is. Jen's, I think, got <laughs> such an amazing history behind us. So many years of really high-level running. But, yeah, there's not yeah. not a great deal of media coverage coming to um, sort of that next tier, I guess you'd call oh, it. Oh, just give it 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, when, when you yeah. reach 25 years of age. <laughs> In the yeah. meantime, we can get to uh, your background. So where where you grew up, um, sort of primary schools you were going to, influence from your parents, and then where running started for you? So I definitely just got into running through school cross country. I grew up um, in a little town called Alstonville, about 20 minutes from Ballina and Byron Bay on the north coast of New South Wales. Um, so I was born in Sydney, but moved up there when I was about two with mum and I went to just the local Catholic primary school there and jumped in cross-country day and I think won my age group um, and then when I was old enough would go to the next level and then the next level and then the next level and I'd always surprise my mum who just was like oh how like why are you so good at this like <laughs> um, so I just really enjoyed it I loved all the long distance stuff because then when we'd get to athletics day and I'd go oh, I don't like doing the sprinting like I like doing the 800 or the cross country so um, it really just started there um, my form of training was pretty pretty limited I just would go for runs around the block with mum but I was a pretty sporty kid I swam you know, three or four times a week in the squad, um, did netball, 
water polo, touch, pretty much everything. Um, so I definitely didn't didn't specialize too early, but um, yeah. would go along and compete at regional states um, when I could. At like, because I think you can't go to states till you like ten. So when I got to ten, I yeah, started right. to go to yeah. states. Yeah. Yeah. So, so why why did you start running though? And at what age was it? Like your first, what was your first experience? Was it literally in a school cross country race or did, did your parents yep. take you to a fun run or did you join someone for a run and why? My, yeah, my first experience was, was just school cross country. I think yeah. I feel like I was probably around the age of eight at the time when I probably did my first one, um, just running around the school in our, you know, big black shoes and sport uniform. Um, which I think I think mine was like a sport back in the day, which they don't even really exist too much now. But um, I just really enjoyed it. And then after that was really when I displayed like a enjoyment of it and would say to mum, oh, can we go for a run or something? And she's pretty fit and active. So she was always happy to come for a run with me around the park or whatnot. So never, never like a fun run. You know, mum, mum does fun runs now. Um, now that I as I started to do them she did them as well so but it was never something that she was really into before I started to enjoy it um, so it was just school cross country <laughs> pretty, yeah. pretty basic yeah <laughs> yeah we're not too dissimilar with that I, I think for me too it was school cross country I had my dad would take me to fun runs though so that's that's probably a bit different um, that influence I wasn't forced to do them but I can't remember having a choice <laughs> at the same <laughs> yeah. time but I loved it but I mean, yeah. why? What did you actually enjoy back then about it? Was it, was it the competition? Was it the fact that you were like, oh, I'm, I'm alright at this. I'm, I'm going pretty well, and it, you know, that confidence that comes from it when you're succeeding so well at something. Yeah, I'm pretty competitive. Um, talk to my mom, and my boyfriend. They'll, they'll say I'm competitive at absolutely everything I do. Um, so I, I love the competition aspect. Um, like I said, I, I did do a lot of swimming training so I think I'd already done like a couple competitions in swimming and I'd trained for that and then would race in that so I had an idea of what racing was all about I guess so it just transitioned to running transferred across really well um and I think I liked it because I was good at it and but then I also like the older I got the more I enjoyed it for what it was and I do think running is pretty special in the sense that it's you get a feeling like you don't get in any other sport really and I just love it <laughs> yeah it's very hard to explain the, the why mm. to someone else even as an adult you, you yep. have to ask them for about half an hour of time to justify yeah. all the aspects of it um so what gives an idea of where were you like the best then in the, in the primary school at the time um by end of primary school that is and then were you going to literally uh, districts regional states nationals by year seven yeah so I um I was definitely the best in, in my school um but we're talking a pretty small school I think I had 30 kids in my grade in grade six so it was a pretty small school I think I beat most of the boys as well um particularly by grade six I would win school I would win regionals but once I got to state, that's when um, I sort of would, would finish a little bit further down. I think I was in the top 20 for a couple of years, um, then sort of broke into top 10. New South Wales is a, a pretty competitive state at a state level. Definitely, and yeah. You can only take six to nationals. So I actually didn't make my first 
state team till I was about 14. So well into high school by then. But yeah, so it was mainly just school, regional, states was kind of the progression every year um, in primary school, that is. Now, we're getting to the high school running. So where did you go to high school and where did running fit in the picture, especially in terms of like the running scene at school and, and who was coaching you at the time? Yeah, it's a pretty interesting journey I went on. I'll probably, I'll split into two parts. So when I was living in Austinville um, in grade seven, because in New South Wales, you start high school in grade seven, even back then, um, I went to St. John's College Woodlawn in Lismore, which is about probably 45 minutes from where I lived. So big bus ride every morning. Um, And when I was there, there was no like running coaching or anything like that at school it was literally just you do your school cross country and if you were the top couple people you'd get sent to the next level um and it was eventually one of the reasons I left the school because there was not a lot of support for particularly female sport um so definitely no one at that school that I credit to helping me on my journey but where I lived in Alstonville we had um, quite a network and community of really fit and active people. So at the local pool, the swimming pool, there was the owner of the pool, Kelly Fattel. Her son, Clayton Fattel, um, became a really elite triathlete um, and Ironman. And she was also a triathlete herself, just competed in local events and stuff like that. And she kind of created a little run group where she'd invite kids along who were in the area who really liked running um and she put on a few little sessions just like you know we'd get to the pool at six o'clock in the morning and go run around the town maybe go do some hill sprints or a bit of fartlek I remember doing can't really remember everything we did but we might do that sort of once or twice a week I reckon it was probably barely five or six k but that was the sort of training I did um and then whatever mum and I could come up with like we'd sometimes just brainstorm sessions or um, find those running magazines and you know how they have like sessions you can do and I would just go down to the, the local oval and do that um, so that that lasted till I was probably 14 that sort of set up and then when I was 14 I started to train with Brian Chapman and he's based out of well, he had a group based out of Tweetheads. So I would drive there three times a week from Alstonville, which is about an hour, uh, just over an hour, an hour, 15 minutes. So I'd actually leave school probably 10 minutes early, get in, get in the car and drive up there, have a bit of a snack on the way, um, do my running around and then drive home. Um, so it was that year that I made my first nationals um, and it was actually for a Queensland heat like the athletics team not the school sport team obviously and then the next year I made national cross country for the New South Wales school team which was um a pretty big moment for me too because you got to come top six in the double age group so it's like very competitive um and then from there I started making national athletics as well I think my first one might have been when I was 15 um and really became more entrenched in the competition aspect of athletics and cross country um and that led to our decision to move to Brisbane when I was in end of grade 10 so I started grade 11 up here 
got a scholarship to Moreton Bay College, um, which made traveling to training a lot easier and traveling to competitions a lot easier. Yeah, right. Yeah, so was that you yourself driving when you when you said driving? Is that your parents driving, or were you like year eleven now and you could drive? No, so that was mum's. So that was I yeah. joined Brian's group when I was fourteen, so I didn't 14. have my L's yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so um, so mum would mum would drive me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. So at that point in time too, with athletics, you know, track versus cross country, which now the main difference between road and cross country for example is generally now is that it's grass would probably be the first thing and then the second thing yeah. would probably be unpredictable surfaces and then I think the third thing would be no not always is some hills so when mm. we compare like cross country to the track at that point in time did you have a preference and 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 why would you have picked one of those over the other I definitely preference cross country when I was um, in primary school and early high school. Um, I think just because of how I got into running and that was just what I was used to. I think like the first time I stepped on a tartan track was when I went to state athletics one year. Um, I think it was the last year I was in primary school and it was so weird to me, like running on a, on a track surface. Um, so I just always enjoyed the cross country and the grass and the hills and where I lived, it was pretty hilly. So any runs I went on was pretty undulating and um, I just really enjoyed all of that sort of side of the competition. And it really wasn't until I started training with a different group and competing a bit more in athletics when I was probably 15, 16, that I actually got into the athletic side of competing more, which now is what I love more for sure. Um, but when I was young, I definitely started in cross country, which I think is what translates so well to the steeplechase and why I do enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah, it's a good point you make. So the peak of high school in terms of running, would that have been the event you mentioned earlier, the national 3000 meter under 18 steeplechase event? Would that be your pinnacle? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely was. Um, I think in the December before that, that gold medal I got a silver medal in the same event um but at a different nationals the school school nationals which hasn't happened for a few years now the one that happened in December um and yeah but the the win in Perth was definitely my highlight um and then later that year I got to go and compete for an Australian under 18 team in Fiji for the 1500 meters um and that was a big highlight as well for me yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, when you compare like year 12 girls to open elite women running and like I'm talking specifically in terms of their ability and time and, and rankings openly, so to speak, do you think they're closer, that gap's closer between women than men, say, well, boys in year 12 compared to open men runners? Do you think that's like, that's an incentive for, for girls young women to continue training well in 11 and 12 because they, they've got a fair bit of connection and hope in that that gap is possibly smaller yeah I think I think because of how girls tend to develop um you see a really big peak in grade 11 and 12 where they almost do start to step mm. up to probably senior level um but then the trouble is when you finish school you can often hit quite a quite a lull and plateau in your running. This isn't the same for everyone. It can be different, but yeah. it is definitely a trend in, in females in sport. 
um, where once you finish school, you go through a bit more development and your times tend to suffer a little bit on the track. Um, but I think it is honestly harder to make the jump as a female in, in athletics than a male because there's not as much of a spread. And, mm. and when I say that, you know, you go along to even Queensland state champs, say the 3K or the 5K, the men's will have A grade, B grade, C grade, maybe even D yeah, grade. Yeah, yeah. The women are lucky to field an A grade race. So you're putting, yeah. you know, myself, who's now 23, against a 17, 18 year old who's just fresh out of school. Um, and so it can be harder almost to make that leap because there's less people to help you get there. Like, you know, and then you go to nationals and it's the same thing um, or national level events it can be harder to find that 20 or 30 seconds in a 3K or a 5K because there's less people in the race like because a lot of girls do just give it up. So you're left with the ones that really want it, but it can be pretty challenging. And that's definitely what, what I faced. Yeah, it, it makes sense now. It's almost like you are closer. That gap is mm. kind of what I was saying was there's some yeah. truth to that. And you're obviously in a far better position to talk to, to, to this about uh, than me but at the same time then you're saying that the gap's so big and it can be quite confronting for a young lady to be in that position and and there's actually in, within a race too I assume that they could be even laps behind on a track and that yeah. must be pretty degrading to go through an experience like that too and then also you mentioned like the support networks too both with picking up a, you know a good coach and a good squad and and those pathways so um, definitely some things to talk about there. So let's let's get to you then once you finish school, um, where you trained and, and who you trained with and that and how that really got you through that period of time where for, for many young women they, they can drop out. What was motivating you at that time? Yeah, so I probably yeah, didn't quite finish off the transition in high school. So when I first moved to Brisbane, I continued to train with Brian Chapman until the end of grade 11 so the end of 2015 um, and I moved across to my current coach Ben Norton who runs the training squad on track running in Brizzy and I met him purely because he was the coach at Moreton Bay College as well um, so it was actually like it was not intentional that you know I went seeking him out it was just he happened to coach at the school I was at um, and we got on really well and he had um, a pretty big interest in the steeplechase so just felt pretty natural to move across to to him and his group um and he's obviously also based out of Sheldon College so that group there really got me through that post-school period um there was a number of athletes still in school I think there was only a couple that finished school around the time I did so it was a bit of a high school slash just out of school group there weren't really any that were significantly older than me um so there wasn't anyone that I really like looked up to or anything but just having the group there was really great and I just enjoyed it and it was fun so kept me going and yeah um when I finished grade 12 I did have a couple injuries that set me back a lot as well so a couple of low grade stress reactions in my lower left leg um so I had to do a lot of work in terms of rebuilding after that um but Ben has a really great 
structure within his group, you know, set sessions. He's really, he does individual programs. Um, and so even when you're injured, like, it's not like he sort of says, I'll oh, come back in six weeks. And your physio tells you you can run, like he'll give cross training sessions and all that kind of thing. So that definitely helped. Yeah, definitely. So what about, what about the more challenging things? Like did you, were you studying straight away as well? Yeah. Yeah. I did study yeah. straight away and, and that transition from school to uni is, is a big one, particularly in Australia where it's not like the American system where um, everything's in one place. You obviously yeah. have to try and create your own schedule and, and stick to it. Um, so I was probably, you know, I gave myself a bit of flexibility in those first couple of years post school. I didn't see myself necessarily making any team straight away um, in Australian athletics. So I kept doing it because I enjoyed it and kept training. Um, but the uni had to take a, a big priority and like getting used to that whole new system, which I'm well and truly on top of now <laughs> five years later. But at the start, it was pretty daunting and overwhelming. Um, the the level of, of work you have to do and, um, you know, no one's there to hold your hand, which they tell you all through school. But obviously experiencing it is a bit different than um, being told about it. So yeah, yeah, it was definitely. definitely challenging. And what yeah. about uh, the party scene? I, I, I would assume there's been multiple times, even now as a um, 23-year-old, that, no, 23? Did I get that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still getting that gap right between you and I. Um, surely you've, come, you've, you've been um, sort of, persuaded to do this and that with drinking and going out and being out late and you've got to train in the morning and mm. all those sorts of things. Obviously the things like uh, engagements might be coming up in the next few years and that kind of thing. What, what's your experience been around that? And, and have you had any strategies to, to politely avoiding those situations? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely always been a balance. Um, I think I'd probably say no to every second thing and say yes to every second thing I guess especially when I was fresh out of school you know I'd go along to one thing but then probably the next week I'd not go um it was tough because obviously the year I finished school everyone had their 18th the next year so yes everyone was definitely keen to to go out and have some parties and all of that but I was always pretty self-assured with like Sometimes I'd do it, sometimes I wouldn't, and I wouldn't make myself feel badly about the times that I said no. Um, I definitely, you know, joined in sometimes. Um, maybe just not have quite as late a night as everyone else, come home a bit earlier, that sort of thing. Um, I did really enjoy, like, going to music festivals and, and concerts when I was out of school pre-COVID. Wouldn't, wouldn't dream of going to one now. I think it probably scares me a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you know, I enjoyed all that stuff because, it, it, you know, athletics wasn't everything at that point. Um, so I still enjoyed spending time with friends, but I've never been a, a massive partier, even at school. So I've always been pretty used to saying no and passing on, on certain things that, you know, just didn't really appeal to me because I do enjoy yeah. getting up and training, getting up and going for a run. And especially now, like, the older I've gotten and the more the more I've made running social as well especially during COVID like you know you couldn't go out partying and clubbing and so everyone would enjoy coming to training and then going and getting coffee after instead so I just try and make that work more so than going out partying with people um but yeah since COVID 
said no to a lot of the stuff too because um i touch wood actually haven't had covid yet um and i Very do lucky. credit that a bit to to saying no to a lot of social stuff which has been hard like it is a, it is a sacrifice but i just find other ways to spend time with my friends that doesn't involve um going out in public too much <laughs> Maybe you've just been that antisocial. You haven't got COVID yet. I saw a meme. Yeah. That if you hadn't had it, you're probably antisocial. Probably. <laughs> so probably what about, are you, are you with the same group now and same coach? Is it all pretty similar last handful of years? Yeah, it is pretty similar. So still with the same coach, still with the same training group. Training group looks a bit different now, obviously, than probably it did five years ago. Yeah. Come and go. Um, but there's still a few people that, that have been there the whole time as well. Um, added a few new ones, which is nice. And the good thing about being um, uh, an elite female distance runner is that I pretty much match up quite well with 14, 15, 16-year-old boys in high school. So I actually do a lot of my training with them, um, which is really beneficial. But in terms of everything, like the structure of everything has looked pretty much the same since I finished school just gotten a lot more serious about it um probably since covid coming out of covid um when my times came down a lot and and everything like that yeah yeah for sure yeah i was just thinking of all your times listed earlier there's only there's only one time that i can beat you at and it's actually it's actually <laughs> my worst event it's 800 meters and I did it, oh, unless that's inaccurate, my, I did a 210. Mine's terrible. 210 was <laughs> no, mine, probably not. Which, which is terrible as a bloke too. But um, no. is, that, is that an older race or is that is, is is the speed side of things for you not as strong as your endurance? Yeah, my endurance is definitely stronger. Um, I, I avoid running 800 as much as I can. My coach tries to get me in them. Um and when I finished school, he'd make me do one every year. But since I've gotten more into the steeple, he's let that slide a bit, which is nice because I, I don't like the 800. <laughs> uh, so the next thing I've got down here too is is basically uh, nutrition. So, you know, you're, you run basically 1,500 to 10K. And, you know, I've had I've had ultra runners on here and marathon runners and, and nutrition's obviously very important those longer events what for you though uh and again obviously not having anything probably i assume in any of those events uh nutrition wise but what about prior to the event what does a normal preparation for nutrition look like for you uh in the morning of a race or if it's at night uh the day of eating yeah um, so I've definitely worked on it in the past few years. So when I was at school, I was pretty, I don't even remember what I did. I think I was pretty low key. Um, I'm lucky I have a mum who's very, very in, like she was always all, all on top of my nutrition and fueling and, and making sure I just ate good foods, like, you know, good quality stuff, not too much um, junk food and whatnot. Um, but now I do have a pretty set, set plan with um, my dietitian. And if I have a night race, which is probably more common, I'll get up in the morning, have my normal probably eggs and avocado on toast, um, maybe a smoothie, a coffee. Lunchtime is normally like a ham and cheese toasty or something similar, you know, whether it's a bit of rice and chicken or it can be a few different things I have going yeah. on, but a bit of carbs, a bit of protein. Um, and then about three hours before the race, I have a 
one of those little sachets of, of Uncle Toby's oats. Um, heat that up with a bit of peanut butter, banana, um, and a coffee and have that. So a little last bit of carbs and then um, an hour before the race, maybe have some um, some little lollies or a couple dates and, and an, um, then half an hour before some caffeine and then, yeah, good to oh, go. Half an hour before? Uh, yeah. In form of what, a, a gel or a shot of coffee? <laughs> I use the Revy strips. Yeah. 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 Um, and then if it's a morning race, I just do the oats, the three, you know, three, I make sure I'm up three hours before. I don't, I mean, I haven't necessarily done it for a lot of um, fun runs. This is more for athletics races where you don't normally run before nine o'clock in the morning. I know it can be a bit different when those fun runs are at six o'clock in the morning. Um, but for me, totally, I don't yeah. usually race before That's nine o'clock. Yeah, you can you can yeah. perfectly plan out your eating for so long yeah. <laughs> before yeah, yeah, you yeah. Event. Whereas six a.m. you got to wake up if it's three hours before you're eating. Well, it's three a.m. I, I do exactly. I do know I, people I probably... that do that. Um, yeah, who, who, for them it works. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It seems, seems pretty standard um, yeah. in terms of preparation. The interesting thing was when I spoke to Kai Robinson, who you may know of, uh, and he was on the on the show uh, in episode one the very first one he spoke about having a yeah. coffee like two three hours prior to the event and yeah. that's still having an impact on his run the caffeine that is yeah three hours later which i was pretty surprised that that can last so long obviously you're not going to have a coffee mm. half an hour before an event but mm. um do you, do you notice do you feel an impact after having that strip can you feel it at all um yeah, yeah, I can definitely feel it. Um, I actually, I do know Kai as well. We ran into each other at Stanford a few weeks ago when I went over there and raced. Oh, really? um, but yeah, 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 yeah. Small, just just how small the athletics world is in yeah. in Brizzy. Um, but yeah, I mean, everyone's different. That's just advice I've gotten from from my dietitian and what the current research suggests. Um, I definitely feel it. I feel it works. Um, I don't feel it doesn't work. So I think that's probably more the good thing. Um, yeah, true. I always feel that little bit of buzz. But I mean, when you got pre-race nerves, you kind of feel that anyway. So I just kind of go off the advice I get given yeah, and, and it doesn't routine. do anything bad. So yeah. I know, but I wouldn't be having a shot of coffee that, that close before that. Yeah, yeah. You feel a bit, what about a bit equivalent? Funny. Would it be equivalent to having one coffee or would it be more? Do you know how much caffeine's in it and how much caffeine's yeah. in a coffee? I wouldn't have an answer. I'm drinking a... This this is yep. an this is an alcoholic by the way, but um, <laughs> this is a, a cold brew coffee, and it says yep. there's what 100 milligrams of mm-hmm. caffeine per 100 mil. Does that mean anything to you? Yeah, it does actually. So I can get <laughs> I can get pretty technical. Um, you have I'm, a dietitian after all. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, um, I have a bit of a background in sports science, so yeah. I I can um understand sort of the metrics of it. You definitely don't have to, but the interesting thing I had a chat to my dietitian about when we were chatting about caffeine um, is it a shot of coffee, like, you know, whether you're getting it from a cafe or your pod machine at home, you actually don't know how much caffeine is in that. So there was a study recently mm. from a Queensland university where they actually like went to half a dozen cafes and got like one shot of coffee from each and measured how much caffeine was in each of them. And it was completely different at each one, which I thought was really cool. 
Um, I'd love it that some people's jobs just to go and test coffee, but oh, I love um, that. That'd be great. Yeah, but but for me, like the research says, you can have about um, there's a milligram like per body weight. So for me, it's like 100 to 120 milligrams of caffeine, um, and they usually recommend you take that 30 minutes to an hour before you exercise um, or compete. So for me, in a revy strip, that's 120. Um, or your can of um, cold brew, I think 100 would be pretty spot on because you can is control that, that be how a normal much it equivalent is. of normal coffee or a bit more then? Even though you said um, that varies a bit. Yeah, it varies a bit. So I think it's the equivalent of one coffee maybe, but yeah. it can really vary. Like it was a very big range. Um, so I think it's for me, I just, you know, go off the advice and they say control it where you can. So I just control it. but. Yeah, yeah. Same, I think same, it's normally same 100 smart. milligrams. Yeah, I think 100 yeah. is like what they're meant to do, but some it's yeah, only like you, 30. You get the same coffee beans every time and make your own coffee. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. assume even then though that could still vary. It does explain. Yeah. When I've been out at a few cafes, I tend to if I'm liking a coffee a lot, maybe it's just stronger. But I definitely, <laughs> I've definitely thought that that at times I felt that caffeine hit yeah. more than others from certain coffees. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. What about um, through the week then with, with diet? Do you eat pretty strict then Monday to Sunday around running? Yeah, I try not to be too strict per se, but um, yeah, I have a pretty good knowledge on what I should be eating to um, fuel myself, especially as a female athlete. Like you've got to be really careful like that you are eating enough to fuel the amount of exercise that you do. Um, otherwise you can be at risk of sort of developing those stress fractures and things. Mm. Um, so I know what I should eat and I'm pretty, pretty good about making sure I eat when I need to, but I'm pretty flexible as well. Like I'm not someone that's going to go, Oh, I can't have, can't go out for lunch. I can't go out. For, like I love going out for brunch and, and lunch and dinner with friends and stuff. So I just make it work the best yeah. way I can. What's, yeah. what's the worst thing you've had in the last few weeks or months? that you can think of um oh that's hard <laughs> like do you eat any i don't eat any of those fast major fast food chain foods like maccas or anything so so if i had the no. same question asked of me i'd i'd struggle but even like have you ate a lot of something at home that's a bit bit more unhealthy or fattier or um, oily, I, or? I love like hot chips like they're something yeah. that I enjoy I don't I don't necessarily go to Macca's for them yeah. at all but like you know maybe fish and chips or from from a place down around here or something or um, I haven't had in the last month but I do enjoy Betty's burgers um, that's a bit of a, of a treat for me which is probably pretty similar to like a Macca's burger just a bit more um upper class i yeah, guess yeah you, can, yeah you can often get away without a bit more than maccas can't you yeah. can you say betty's but that that's noose that noosa betty's burgers yeah, get yeah. You started yeah these are yeah. popular yeah um but i'm not like i'm not a massive sweet too so i just like i'm not inclined to have that kind of stuff like it's not me consciously going oh i can't have that like i'll enjoy yeah. some chocolate if i need to but if i feel like it but i just don't do it that often um so yeah Nothing yeah. Major, really. yeah no it's interesting i think once you once you get in routine you find what works for you and yeah yeah i don't think there's a need to be so strict but if you're avoiding a lot of those those quite fatty takeaway foods then i think you're doing pretty well for yourself um and getting what you need so what if we flip yeah. from nutrition into 
the mental aspects around running and training, particularly around being motivated to, I assume you're running almost every day and then within races, any strategies and things that you do prior to the race and during to assist your performance in events? Yeah, so um, motivation is, is is one of those up and down things. And I think you have to, as a, as a runner who is trying to run every day, be okay with the days where you don't feel as motivated because that's completely normal. Um, I think particularly during COVID, um, when competition went away, when training groups went away, I found different strategies that helped me enjoy the running and enjoy the training and get me out the door. So, like I said, finding different places to run, um, like picking where I was going to run because I enjoy it and going there. And, you know, when you enjoy it, you it's easier to get through. You know, you, you don't feel like that. In time, mm. you know when they said you could – the rules have changed so much, but they yeah. allowed you to run yeah. with at least one other person. Least were you were you someone yeah. who kept running on your own or did you immediately get try and get a mate to run with you? It was a good mixture. I think I'd be like probably 60% by myself, 40% with one other person um, where I could. Um, it's hard though because everyone tried to find buddies. So at times I was kind of by myself, but I didn't yeah. mind that. Um, or sometimes like, my mum would just come out and ride the bike with me because obviously she was working from home too. So she might come out on the bike and um, ride along next to me and which she still does actually um, occasionally when I need some company. So having company on the run helps or picking a cool place to run really helped me. Um, But pre-race, like, I mean, I do listen to a lot of podcasts and try and get some some mental tips from from people like Ben Crow and the Resilience Project and those guys like I love hearing those stories and getting any tips I can yeah Yeah. doing you know a bit of meditation and mindfulness when I can all that kind of thing um that's the stuff I do do you use an app do you use a Headspace app yeah yeah I, I use a few different ones um Headspace the, there's one called the insight timer that i like um a few different ones even just youtube sometimes i just go on youtube and find little free things five minute breathing or meditation and stuff like that um find yeah, really works for me find that helps i think a lot of people a lot of runners actually are probably more so the restless personality and types yeah and i'm one of them and i have tried headspace when i do it always seems to help even within 10 minutes yeah of doing it yeah 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 I just that little bit of time it's really nice just to take a breath and chill out a bit not not be thinking too much Uh, I think that's always the thing I mean I just I find running though I find running so meditative I think that is why I love it so much um you know it always leaves you feeling better after than when you started so um I always just try sometimes um I do enjoy like just running with no music sometimes and no headphones, just enjoying oh, it like totally. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But sometimes I listen to podcasts and music too, just mixture that I'm in the mood for really. Yeah. And what, and what about pre-race then? Is there any routine you have or any, do you listen to, listen to the pump up music prior to racing <laughs> or do you just go into it relaxed? Um, usually like I've been a, I tend to listen to pump up music sometimes. Um, it depends like sort of what mood I'm in before the race. I'll yep. always try and um, put my legs up and do like five minutes of deep breathing before I get into a warm up. Um, 
just to like calm the mind and everything. But then after that, I will sometimes put on some pump up music just to like get in the mood for it, um, that kind of thing. So nothing too like set in stone with, yeah. with my mental processes. I've always been pretty good, um, you know, talking to my coach and um, my family and friends bef- like before the race really helps me. And, you know, if I have any concerns, I just voice it and that always helps me a bit. Yeah. Okay. Do you, and do you ever get that nervous? Are you a nervous type or do you, are you naturally pretty relaxed? And, and if are your nerves generally for your individual performance or, or would the nerves be more about um, your competition? I've always um, gotten nerves for races, mainly because for my own results and what I want out of the race, um, I've never been one to focus too heavily on what's going on around me and get too distracted by external stuff. It's probably been a bit different this season after like just missing out on the Olympics last year. I probably felt a bit more pressure um, that I put on myself to really make this year, like make a team. Um, so that's been something that I've had to work through and and in the past like getting through injuries and stuff I've been nervous about you know not racing so well because of time off and that sort of thing so there's been different times where I've had different things to try and deal with but um usually I like I get a good amount of nervous I call it like it's never been a concern where like I'm getting sick before races like I know some people do and whatnot like I'm usually able to control it pretty well but you know, the nerves are only ever good because it means it means something to you. And I think when you lose that, you're probably not going to race as well. Oh, totally. Yeah. And so what about when you're in the race, in the in the harder parts of the race, you know, three quarters to the finish line? What's what's motivating you there to really push it to the limits? I always um people always ask me, like from when I'm young, what I think about during a race, but particularly like when I did a 10k on the track and a lot of my teammates are um, 800 runners, 1500 meter runners. They're like, how do you like concentrate for that long? Like, what are you thinking about? Um, I often forget what I think about during the race, but I know that um, I just try and stay super focused on the moment Mm. and where I am in the race, you know, what I need to do. Like, am I in the right position? Can I move up? Do I need to do anything? But, you know, I use all those self-talk mantras too, like, just stay relaxed you know in the first part of a race it's all about just staying relaxed don't don't worry like don't think ahead just stay present um you know things like be positive um uh what are a couple of those like a lot of those little like few words I sometimes write them down before I race just so that they sort of stay in my mind and I just use them during the race to um motivate me I guess and it's all just about staying positive and um, for me, because I'm so competitive, you know, always believing you can win until that last possible moment where you don't <laughs> and just willing yourself all the way to the end um, and just staying relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and is that so technique cues and reminders? Like for me, I know if I'm getting tired, I get a bit sort of tense through the shoulders and arms. Mm-hmm. I've, I've just sort of remind myself for, like relax the arms, relax your breathing. Is it yep. quite, is it, do you think it's more technique self-feedback to yourself or is it more that motivational encouragement coming through in the thoughts? For me, I've more gone the motivational encouragement yeah. side of things. Um, that's probably just what works for me, I guess. But yeah. I know a lot of people that use the technique stuff too. Like 
particularly in the longer distance races to you know drop the arms and drop the shoulders and just take some deep breaths and that sort of thing which I probably do a bit more in training funnily enough like I guess you're a bit more uncomfortable for a lot longer um maybe use a few more technique cues in training rather than in races um but yeah yeah mixture yeah okay let's talk about training then hey what what does your training week look like Monday to Sunday on a normal week obviously a race yeah change that a bit um you know you race a fair bit too so I guess Mm. through the year you'd have to uh modify it on the go a fair bit uh particularly you know from from midweek onwards if you've got a weekend race so yeah what's the general week for Cara look like yeah so general week um so I do my easy runs Monday Wednesday Friday um, for a standard week, they'll be about an hour, maybe a touch over, depending on what kind of week I'm trying to get. So it's usually 13K, maybe up to 15K in a longer longer week. But I'd say the hour is pretty typical for that 13K mark. I'm trying to work um, that pace now. You're running at 4.30 is for your easy pace, eh? Yeah, between 4.30s. And I mean, some days it, it goes back to 4.50s and you know, I'll just go, oh, I'll just take the hour and two minutes it takes me to get to 13K. That's all right. Um, yeah, so I'd no, say 4.30 no watch, to 4.50. No watch looking? You just you let it roll and see what it's on the watch at the end? Yeah, I try not to look. I try not to um, worry too much about that. Just go off feel. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I, it also depends if I'm by myself or with others. If I'm by myself, it can be a little bit quicker. But if I'm with others and I'm talking, naturally, just go a bit slower, which is nice. Oh, so you're the, are you the fast, annoying one that brings the pack together too Sometimes. quickly? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, easy. And are, they, are they double, sorry? Is that one morning run? Just one. But, yeah. yeah, just one. Just yeah, one morning like, run. Um, yeah. And then Tuesday, and- Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday sessions? So, and then on Monday, Wednesday, I also do gym. So oh, that's right. kind of like, I guess that double session. That's why I don't run twice. Oh, yeah. I so I do gym Monday, Wednesday. And then my session days on the track are Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So sometimes if I'm not racing, I'll double in the morning, maybe like 15, 20 minutes, most being 25 minutes. And then Super I'll do easy. my session in the Arvo. Yeah, super any, easy. Like, any drills or like, slides in preparation for the session or just an easy? Just an easy. Yeah. Just an yep. easy. So then in the afternoon, we do our sessions. So Tuesday will be some sort of interval session, um, usually one of our harder ones for the week. And it just depends what, what season we're in as to what we're doing. But, you know, 400s, 800s are a real staple for us. Um but then we also sometimes do some longer ones too, like 1200s, 1500s. So it kind of is a mixture, but it's always something interval based. Um, about how long in length? About what, 7K, 8K in total? My my main sets are usually 6, six to 7K yep. during racing season. Um, a bit longer when it's more aerobic because we, we really do a lot of faster stuff. Like we are really that that middle distance kind of group where um, a lot of our runners are 800, 1500, 3k runners. So I'm yeah. at kind of like almost the top end. So I'll do a bit extra, like a bit longer, but it's usually pretty fast workouts that we do. Um, so I'll get like 15k, 16k for the whole session with warm up, warm down, but the main part's like six or seven. 
So what about Thursday and Saturday? So Thursday will be our sort of more easier session, I guess. So we'll do more of a threshold or a fartlek, usually 20, 25 minutes in length. Um, so say something a little bit easier or, you know, a broken down version of, of that, you know, whether it's 2K reps or seven minutes efforts or something. Um, my coach plays around with it a bit, but it's based off a sort of 20, 25 minute threshold fartlek session. So yeah. That's always a bit easier. So generally continuous, um, but yeah. around that sort of time. So what's yeah. your definition of threshold? Because mm. there's so many definitions out yeah. there about it. Generally, it's yeah. like an hour or so of, like it's your hour race pace or half marathon race pace. And do you think that can actually <laughs> vary? Like if you're a 400 meter run or 800 meter runner, do you think your yeah. threshold then becomes quite different relative to how far you compete at? Yeah. Yeah, which is an, an interesting conundrum in our group because a lot of us are more middle distance runners rather like only a handful of us have even run 10K um, in the group. So I've done a bit of um, testing with uh, at Griffith Uni actually where I've gotten like my threshold pace. So I'm a little bit more aware of it in terms of like heart rate and pace. But we our definition is um, threshold is like your, your harder one and tempo is that slightly easier one so tempo would be more like what you could probably hold for an hour or even longer like an hour and a half maybe I guess um and threshold is probably more what you could hold for like I don't know, half an hour, I guess, to 45 minutes. I don't know. It's We don't really go by that. Like we we sort of go off heart rate um, and we yeah. all just kind of know what paces we normally run, which probably isn't like the most normal way to do it per se um, because we are a bit of a mixed, mixed group in terms of abilities. Um, so I at least know like what I should be hitting. So that's what matters to me. I think some, some of the boys, like the younger boys, tend to get a little bit competitive in their thresholds and probably don't do it correctly. Um, we've actually had a few a few 5K PBs run an hour <laughs> threshold sessions, which probably isn't great to admit, uh, but yeah. I definitely don't do that. So I I normally run um, to heart rate or the feel. So <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a good way of doing it. And then Saturday, yeah. is that is that shorter stuff or is that hilly, hilly sessions? Um, yeah, so... During like peak track season, it'll be shorter stuff. Um, but Ben Ben really varies like what we do throughout the year. So we're definitely not on like a repetitive cycle. Like sometimes it might be on a Saturday. Like for me, I might have a steeple specific session where I do some 1K reps or some 800, 400 mixtures where I'm trying to hit steeple pace, go over some hurdles. Um, but then like this morning, we did because I am coming off a race, but we did a couple of um 1.5k loops. We have this like nice cross country loop up and down hills. So I did like two of them on the cross country course, and then I did a hard 1500 on the track with with um a couple of the boys pacing me, um and then a hard 1k. So like we really mixed it up a lot. So today was probably more of like an endurance session, but um sometimes it's like 400 reps. Um, or stuff like that. So it can it can be a bit of a mixture. It just depends what's going on. Like Ben really he gets gets the calendar out, 
knows how far we've got till races and maps it out. Um, and then at the moment, of course, like I am the only one still racing track, obviously hoping to qualify for a couple of races later in the year, but everyone else is doing cross country. So it's like finding that balance between the two um, can be difficult, but it keeps it interesting because all of our sessions are quite different. So good. Uh, and how many in the squad then? Is there about 10 of you running or 15, 20? Um, I'd say more like 20 to 30. Um, oh, okay. on, on a, yeah. Yeah. In, in the senior group, like my sort of immediate training group, we probably have eight to 10 people. Um, and then the rest of the group are more like, um, we call them like the intermediate girls. So between oh, okay. the ages of 13 and 17 girls, um, and a couple of boys in that group as well. So yeah. there's kind of like two, I guess it's kind of like split in half a bit. Yeah, so those sessions, we have days, some... there's like 10 of you, 10 of you mm. in, a, in a pack running around those intervals together at a pretty similar pace? Yeah, probably even a little bit less because I, I include in that group probably a couple, like a few of the boys that are faster than me. So I'm definitely not running with them. I probably usually have three to five people in my immediate group. And then there's probably five that are like in the next group above. Yeah. 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 So it is a pretty small group. Like I don't have um, a bunch of training partners, but it's good. You get the you get what you need out, and it's oh, good to do some stuff by yourself too. Sometimes, um, yeah, gives gives you a bit more mental toughness for race day. Well, when is that? Is that just your easy runs on on those session days? Is it your solo runs now? Um, mainly, yeah. I mean, I do still do a few sessions on my own. Like um, last week my my last steeple session before Oceana's I did entirely by myself I um, did some 800 and 400 reps um over hurdles and on the flat and that was just all on my own so sometimes I do that sometimes the the boys come in it just depends yeah. and you definitely quicker yeah. when you run with the group like let's say you did 1k reps for example yeah. you have a couple seconds difference each k if you're running with the the pack yeah, 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 definitely, definitely <laughs> run a lot faster when I can um, get in with them. So I always try to. I always try to convince one of the boys to come come run with me for a session or something like that, get them to jump in for one or two. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. That's that's definitely handy. And then Sunday, how how far do you long run? Is your long run hilly? Is it a steady pace? Do you incorporate a race case up race paced case in there at times? How does that look? So for us, because we do three sessions, our long runs are pretty easy. Um, it's more time on legs, I guess, yeah. rather than anything. Um, obviously, in winter when I'm not racing, they get a bit quicker. Um, in summer, they're a little bit slower. So I normally do probably between 16 and 20K. Um, depends what kind of Ks I'm hitting for the week, how, how I'm feeling when I'm racing. 20Ks is probably the standard. Um, just sometimes it might go a bit below that. Um, and I prefer to go on the flat, but I definitely do incorporate some hills sometimes. Yeah. Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, sometimes do the, um, Daisy Hill or Karawatha loops. Otherwise it's, um, the city loop or something like that. UQ run around there a bit, which is, you get a couple of hills out there. So it's sometimes the yeah, compromise. Only a yeah. It's a few rolling yeah, only hills. A couple. Yeah, yeah, rolling. I like really, those, hey, those Mount I've never hilly. been over there. I think <laughs> I think because um because I'm a Southside girl, I, I haven't quite 
gone over there. So I probably need someone to show me show me that one. Oh, there's um, a few hilly sort of uh, bushland areas on the south side though, like Koala yeah. Park and known uh, Tui yeah. Forest. I went I went over to Seven Hills. You heard of that? The small yeah small, yeah yeah bushland, but geez, that's hilly. That's crazy. It it's is like up yeah. And down mountain bike tracks. Yeah, they're pretty pretty awful. <laughs> Oh, if you got three sessions a week, I can see why you just became yeah. roll easy on the flat. Yeah. Um, mm. And then how many how many k's would that be for the week? Like a hundred or? I try I try to go hundred to one hundred and twenty. Um, in race time, that can definitely go a little bit lower, but hundred's been kind of the mark in the last twelve months. Hopefully, I can um up that a bit. Like my biggest week, I've only ever got to one twenty. Um, so working on that that's one of the things i'll work on in the next couple of years try and get that up a little bit because i'm definitely on the lower end for um my sort of level i guess of competition yeah yeah it's crazy lower end so where, where does the boyfriend yeah. fit in in all, in all these kilometers of running yeah so he does a lot with me um so oh, does he unfortunately yeah, yeah yeah he does he does so he um his name's harry harry biggs he does oh yes yeah okay yeah he does a lot of road running he really enjoys the 5k and the 10k on the roads yeah. um but also loves 1500 on the track um unfortunately got a stressy at, in january this year which put him out for the season so a lot less k's with me this year but last year um we do most of our k's together um then with a couple other people in our group too so it's pretty good because it oh, means that our schedules are pretty similar. So he literally trains with you at Sheldon on those yep. session days too. Yeah, so he trains with me. He's he's one of the ones I'm saying is in the group above me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had I had a couple weeks where he was just coming back from injury, like he'd done his walk running program, and he'd just gotten back into sessions. I think he he trained with me for maybe two weeks, then um then he very quickly went past me. <laughs> I was going to say, this is the only Sorry. time that you've been quicker than him. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think this week we're actually doing equal Ks, which is the first time for about a year, but he'll um, grow his Ks to probably be a bit bigger than mine even. So we're pretty similar though, to be honest, because he's, guys, he's got a bit more work going yeah, on. So. Yeah, definitely. You'll have to get him on this yeah. podcast then to fill some time in his injury. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. And do you guys live <laughs> together? Love it. No, no. So we're both still living in it with our respective families. Um, yeah. So he's in his last year of, of his degree as well. So that might change the next couple oh. of years. Um, so you, we'll you've never see. moved out? Nope. <laughs> I was no. No, neither of us. They're trying to work out how old those paintings no. were and what kind of. Oh, yeah. They're definitely family <laughs> paintings. <laughs> that was my thinking. Yeah. 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 I was thinking so I'm, I'm an place. only child, yeah. so I'm pretty lucky. I'm an only child, um, so I don't, I don't need to rush out. But Harry is one of four, so his house is a little bit more hectic um, than mine. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty lucky. Yeah, I'm one of six. I I, I moved out at your age, I think, for the mm. first time when, when I was 23. Yeah, yeah, definitely a reality check. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so. No, that's that's definitely useful to have have a partner uh, into the yeah. same thing, literally train together. I'm yeah. sure that there comes some uh, challenges too <laughs> with that. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, so I just wanted to finish with some things around women in running. So looking at like, from your point of view, the, the pros and the cons or challenges you found uh, being a young lady in the sport and where maybe you think things can be improved moving forward, both with like Athletics Australia. And when I mention Athletics Australia, I mean, literally the track side of things. Um, and then I guess on the roads, but then also cross country too, because I reckon there's post school, particularly there's a, a drop in participation for women in cross country for reasons I'm not sure I can think of exactly. Uh, I would assume the less glamorous side of running through mud and um, hills and all these unpredictable gravel pathways and all these sorts of things that may propose a challenge to a lady maybe might put them out of that side of running. But um, yeah, what have you found been the great things about women women's running, but also those areas that may need to be improved? Yeah, I think I think the good thing about athletics is there are a lot of of great things. I think in in the high level of the sport, um, you know, I have to really appreciate the sport that I'm in, and, and that it is actually there is pretty equal opportunity at the high end. You know, like at every athletics event, you obviously have your male and female events, um, and I think that there's pretty equal opportunity to pursue running, succeed at running. There's no like discrepancies in getting picked for teams and stuff like that based on gender. So I, I do love that about athletics. Um, I think there's just a really big disconnect with the participation level, which um, I think that probably comes from, you know, some societal views that have just hung around for a really long time that sport is not necessarily something to pursue after school, even on a social aspect like I think you know in the in the men's side of athletics and cross country and road running it's more likely for a guy to continue to run if he's been good at it at school and than it is for girls um and I think that's something that I wish probably got a bit more attention than it did um the fact that participation in women's sport isn't as good um, and because of that too, like there can be some comments made where um, it's almost seen as it can be a bit easier to make make it in female distance running because there's less people in it. But I don't think that's true because just because in yeah. men's sport, like there's so many more, like it doesn't mean it's necessarily yeah, yeah, easier or harder. Earlier. Yeah, you mentioned mm. it earlier. You, you can yeah. come so close yet so far at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's it's just as hard, but yeah, it it is disappointing that so many girls do quit after school, and you know, I I guess I do my my tiny little part by being a coach. I try and encourage girls just to enjoy running and to keep doing it no matter what. But um, you know, I've seen firsthand when I finished school how many of my peers and friends quit sport altogether, um, and I think that's disappointing. Um, and I don't think it's an accessibility issue because obviously there are the same number of events for men as there is for women mm. at pretty much. I know there's been a couple issues in the past at fun runs where um, there hasn't been equal prize money, but that's pretty much in most circumstances been rectified. Yeah. I was going to ask um, that. Yeah. 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 Like personally, I've never like experienced anything firsthand where there's been like a 
disparity between men and women, which is great. I think that's amazing. Um, but yeah, just like keeping encouraging women to stay in the sport um, is so important because it is so great and it's so good for you in the long term um, to just be healthy and active. Um, so yeah. yeah, I don't know what that looks like, but finding some kind of promotion I think is important. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think, though, it's different, though, at the recreational level? Like, I was talking to mm. Chris Gale on this podcast a few episodes ago, who, who runs the Gale Force running group in Brisbane. He was saying that uh, most of his group are women, uh, mm. admittedly women in the older age groups, but that was the point he was making, that most of them in his group were female. Um, mm. And then I also brought up to him, I had interviewed Katie Dow, now a pretty prominent female coach uh, in Brisbane who's picked up a number of women again I think also and we spoke about a bit of a craze now for young ladies recreationally um, getting into the sport more so from Mm. like a like a group fitness enjoyment point of view and some fun runs on the side so we're looking at two different things here but I don't know I reckon that side of things is going okay and I definitely agree but on the athletics front and again, cross country, professional that is, um, definitely a dropout rate that can be improved. Yeah, I think I think that's actually very true and a very good point. Recreationally, I think the women's participation is just as just as good, if not better. I think it's so many women though are scared to take that step and and try and be more competitive. Um, and I think that's just a deep seated, old fashioned viewpoint mm. that that maybe they can't. Um, but you know, I definitely think they can. And I think slowly it's getting better and better. But um, I think just girls are more inclined to stop doing it at a high level after they finish school um, than boys are, which is a shame. You know, like even I noticed that a big one was at Noosa Bolt last year, like on the women's field, there was 18 of us, I think, which I think even a few pulled out. And in the men's, there was 60 or something wow. like that. Like it's just. The level is so different. That race is so different. Yeah, and it's like sometimes there's this side of things. Yeah, that's crazy. But I think there's sometimes this viewpoint that the running itself is not very glamorous. But I reckon that there's some glamorous nature to it. Like we were talking about earlier about the Noosa Bolt, that um, you know a lot of women like to be fashionable and then look great too, and that kind of thing. I reckon that can that can scare women away though, but also be a thing that you look forward to all your training and, and things that you wear yeah. and that can add some enjoyment to the sport as well yeah yeah definitely definitely um and I think yeah promoting promoting athletics is, is only getting better I think um through social media and being able to create cool content that highlights the women as much as the men and maybe that over the time will just slowly make it seem more appealing I'm not sure yeah yeah, what about um, and, and access to coaches and stuff too as, as mm. an elite female runner? Do you think, think that's as strong and, and sponsors and all that kind of thing too? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting in the coaching world, I'd say there are many more male coaches than females too. I think that's something that is actually being addressed within the athletics community, which is nice. Um, I think Athletics Australia is trying to develop a few more female coaches rather than just males because um traditionally it's more of a male dominated sort of field so I think that might help as well um create a bit more inclusivity 
Um, but in terms of, of access to sponsors, I think it's pretty equal across the two, which is pretty limited. <laughs> um, so there's not, not much going on, not much going on in athletics, that's for sure. Um, but I think, I don't think there's a big difference between the two, which is good. If anything, I think females are able to utilize social media a little bit more yeah. than sometimes the men feel comfortable doing. Do you, th- do you yeah. think the sponsors are often like for apparel and, and promoting mm. things that like um, appear appealing body image wise, as opposed to maybe performance wise? Yeah, I, it's interesting. I haven't been exposed to it long enough to really know. So it, it's hard yeah. to tell, but um I think it's interesting though, because I think in the fitness industry and the recreational side, that definitely happens more so than in the professional side. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think in the professional side, there are a lot of females who are quite savvy on social media and they do get rewarded for it from a professional point of view. But um, yeah, I think I think it's still pretty equal between the two. But the fitness industry itself and all the recreational stuff, like definitely utilizes a female's um perspective and body image and they're the ones that are using it more often i guess than men so whether that's a good thing or not i'm not sure but definitely happens yeah have you got any sponsors then well on the topic of sponsors no nothing no absolutely none (laughs) no i've been pretty lucky um everything I've received is, is through scholarships, hard-earned scholarships. So I've been a scholarship recipient holder at the University of Queensland since I finished school. So that's something you kind of reapply for and put in applications and, and that's been really beneficial to me. Um, obviously that's for my academics as well as my sport. Um, so that's, I guess, as close as I've gotten to sponsorship, but in terms of um, athletic stuff, nothing i've nothing. had a few there's no, few companies there's no where i've gotten, gotten you go, a few free products and stuff that um you know a few companies that have supported me from that perspective but definitely no sponsors for me not even, <laughs> Hopefully no, no one giving you running shoes for even a cheaper price um well i worked at the athlete's foot for a few years so and we do have our training group has a bit of an association with athlete's foot so i get some discounts there um, but that's it. Nothing, nothing for free. <laughs> well, still for anyone for anyone listening who has power of providing Kara with running shoes, even that, yeah. um, slaughter her out, please. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that's the aim. I'm working on it, working on it in the next few years, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's insane. Hey, so what about the next few years in running? What do you got planned for racing this year and next? And then what about the next, say, world champs, com games, Olympics, where do you see yourself heading in, in that kind of direction? Yeah. So I think once I make my first big team, that'll be a big box ticked on um, my, my journey. I'm actually a few weeks out from finding out whether I'm going to the world champs this year. So we have a world championships for athletics in Oregon, America in July. Um, at the moment I'm sitting number 30, two in the world um obviously still need to stay in the top 45 to make it but that will be decided on the 26th of june so i got two weeks um to wait and see what happens with the rankings um and then also we've got a commonwealth games this year as well 
that mm. team gets decided next week. So we'll wait and see what happens with those. Otherwise, um, otherwise, if I don't make those teams, my season's done for this year. But if I make those, then I get to go compete. And, um, so you, and then more than likely or unlikely to be picked in those teams? Um, <laughs> it's very hard to say. I'd say the world champs team is probably more more likely than not um, at the moment. Com games, it's harder to know because it's a bit of a more discretionary policy. So there's, I don't really know which way it's going to go. Um, they have a limited team size this year, so it affects yeah. selection a little bit. Which one would you rather make? Um, don't have a preference. <laughs> oh, very diplomatic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't want to spoil your chances on both ends. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and then we we go into another World Champs year next year. So it's back to back because um, because of COVID, because I had to push one. So World Champs is on again next year. And then we go into the Olympics the following year. So I would love ultimately to make the Olympics in, in 2024. Um, but in the meantime, making one of these, one or both of these teams this year and world champs next year, they're the big aims. Yeah. It's so a very track orientated. Any, any major fun runs you look to participate in? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I, it's um, hard to fit it in around athletic season because it does drag on, but I'm sure I'll be back at Noosa Bolt this year. I love that race. Definitely want to get get on the podium this time. That, that'd be a big goal of mine. Um, Bridge to Brisbane. Um, did that one last year. Going to try to do that again this year if I'm here. Yeah, um, come and do it. I'll, I'll chase you. I'll, I'll see yeah. you from about, <laughs> about a minute away from you and maybe you can yeah. you can drag me along. <laughs> but, yeah, I... I do enjoy the fun run, so I, I do want to get around to a few more. Um, it's something that I do enjoy. I've done Gold Coast 10K for years, um, which I don't think I'll get to do this year if I'm competing a Worlds. But, yeah, any of the fun runs I can fit in, definitely, because there's a lot a lot I still want to do and improve times in the 10K and the 5K, as well as um, track races too. So yeah. finding the balance. See, so generally around... 35 minutes for your 10Ks in the last few years on the roads? I haven't I haven't even raced one since um so I will I did I did the Sunny Coast 10K last year, which was ridiculously hot because it got postponed. And, and yeah. So that was 35, but um I definitely think I could do faster than that without the heat. <laughs> mm. Um so definitely wanna target that one a little bit more, get that down to probably more 33. 32 if I can um but we'll see yeah yeah definitely potential for it it's kind of ironic because you're it's it really 3k is really the sweet spot because yeah we mentioned earlier 800 being a 212 mm. and your 10k is really good but it's not obviously at the level of your 3000 steeple and also the event so yeah. definitely a niche in there what about so we ever run a marathon or a half marathon yeah, I think I will. Um, not sure when. Definitely not um, not going to happen in the next probably 12 months. Uh, but I love the longer stuff. So, and I do really enjoy road racing. So when I feel like I've um, achieved all I can in the steeple and on the track, I, I'd say I'll transition to to the half and, and hopefully the full. Um, I'd love to. <laughs> 
yeah, oh, they're such they're such fun events. There's so much time, so much time to yeah. bring in strategy and all that kind of thing. Um, so we're getting yeah. close to the end here. If you've listened to the previous episodes with guests, I've, I've asked them 10 questions and obviously they're a complete surprise and they're meant to be answered pretty yeah. quickly. So I've catered these for you um, and hopefully you've, you've got some reasonable answers based on <laughs> questions. I'm sure you'll be fine. Ready to go? Yeah, all ready. Okay, so all any single race you've done up until this very day, what's been your favourite ever performance or race in the past? Last year's national championships, um, the three K steeple where I came second to Jen Lacaz. That was definitely yeah, oh, my yeah, favourite. Yeah, true. Um, if you could pick one person in your whole life who's been the most influential towards where you are today as a runner. Who would it be? The other person I don't say is going to be sad, but my number one would have to be to be my mum. She's been my absolute number one supporter since since day dot in primary school. So, yeah, definitely her. But my coach is a very close second. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to tag both of them on Instagram and give them a shout yeah. out. <laughs> your mum's on there. My mum is definitely not on Instagram. <laughs> oh, my mum is. <laughs> yeah, you, you're a bit younger than I am. Um, favourite thing about running? What's What do you enjoy the most? Um, I just love being able to challenge myself and be the best I can be. Um, you know, there's nothing more satisfying than, than setting a goal and going after it and running those tough sessions and feeling like you've improved after. Yeah, that's great. Um, best location you enjoy running in Brisbane or Queensland for any kind of run, a long run or, or a session? Please don't say the track. No, <laughs> no, no. My um, my favourite is actually, I haven't mentioned this yet, but we do long runs out at um, Fernvale on the old rail trail yeah, out there. Yes, yeah. I love that trail so much. It's only only a winter thing, too hot in summer because it's a bit of a drive, but I love it. Oh, definitely Flat and gravel. Don't definitely. have much of that in yes. Brisbane. <laughs> no, and not well, not long, like, yeah, long lengths. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, when you think of idols for, for women in running, do you have a female running idol? Um, probably have a couple. I think I think already I can probably give one answer away. Jen Lacaz is um, a big yeah. run in the steeplechase, uh, but also Benita Willis. I've had a bit to do with her in the past few years through Queensland running, um, and I think her journey's been pretty incredible. Uh, and and she's giving back a lot to the sport, which is pretty awesome to see. Yeah, definitely. I'm meant to have her on here actually in a few weeks. So ah, if you can do anything cool. to persuade her even more, just. Just uh, yep. send a, a DM through to her, and um, I will. <laughs> she's got obviously busy with her Gold Coast uh, involvement yeah. for the marathon festival there. So hopefully, get can get her on, get the yeah. queen of Australian women's running on. Um, what's your favourite running brand for apparel, like like clothing, um, shorts or singlets, shirts? Anyone, any go to? I'd say my go-tos are Nike or Lululemon. They're my faves, but have a bit of everything. So branch out to Puma and Asics a bit, but probably Nike and Lulu would be my most popular. Right, there you go. <laughs> Nike and uh, Lululemon, get a hold of Cara, get onto her, give her a few bits of clothing. Um, yeah. Shoes, what do you wear for 
you, you, you're on the track sessions uh, all the way to long runs. What do you wear on the feet? Uh, for track sessions, the Nikes are my staples. So the track, um, the spikes, the dragonflies, and then the vaporflies for most of my sessions. Um, and then I used to use the the peg turbo as well, but then they got rid of it. So then mm, I kind of yeah. moved to an ASICS shoe. I used the the flat one, the meta meta something. I meta racer? put so many metas. Yeah, the racer one. <laughs> yeah. Not the not the high stack one, the low one. Um, so those three for track, and then my long runs, easy runs. I mainly use the Brooks. It was the Adrenaline. It's now the Glycerin GTS. Um, but I love that shoe. But I do, I, I, especially because I work in a shoe shop, I do mix it up and I try different things, but that's my go-to. Great, a lot of variety. Um, what is the longest long run you've ever done? Oh, it's not that impressive. I think it's only like 22K, maybe 23K. That's about it. I'm pretty, pretty, pretty staple around that 20. 23K or further, you've run longer than Cara. Yeah, yeah, it's not too hard. <laughs> um actually question nine was around running a marathon if you'd ever run one but you answered that earlier that at some point in time you intend to do one so final this final question and last words um for you on here and that's anything you'd want to say to inspire the younger generation of female runners out there Well, that's, that's a tough one. How do I sum <laughs> that up quickly? Um, definitely just to, to stay with it. I think running is such a fundamental part of, of being fit, active and healthy and it's lifelong. Um, and I think you can get so much enjoyment and fulfillment out of it. Um, and that, yeah, for any younger girls, particularly coming out of school, that it can be tough for a couple of years when you're transitioning to that open age group, but just to stick with it um, because athletics and cross country and road running, it's all just about sticking with it for a long period of time. And if you're consistent, you will see the results eventually. So find some people that share that same vision as you and yeah, you'll get places. There you go. That was your longest answer. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I can't say it in a short answer. That's tough. <laughs> Too yeah, hard. exactly. I thought you might have said they should uh, drive to the the gravel off the Jim Sawley bikeway and get, get inspired <laughs> by two k yeah. of gravel. It's pretty good. <laughs> try and rival you, rival you on the uh, segment leaderboard. Mm, I'm not good at short answers. Um, it's a pretty stereotypical trait for a speech pathologist. We like to talk. <laughs> Hey, they could they could go get local legends. Yeah. Yeah, because local legends just participation award. Yeah, I, I hold the local legend status at um on track running. It's been a bit of a rivalry between a few of us for a while. So I like my local legend status. I try and find I try and get a few around Brizzy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's definitely a handy thing, Strava. Um, yeah, yeah, so that that finalizes the interview and we've made three by forty minute Zoom segments due to upgrades required and there's this three minute timer ticking down on us yeah but um and you know we've been here for almost two hours so i definitely appreciate your time and yeah your second female to come on here so hopefully there's uh both a, a male and female population who will listen in but particularly for um women both younger and older 
uh, will definitely, I think, be inspired by um, how you train, what you eat, uh, the background of getting into running, and and then just simply following you too for inspiration, particularly fingers crossed in the direction of things like world champs, com games, Olympics, and I'll definitely keep in the loop with that. So yeah, keep me updated and, and looking forward to your future. I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing a bridge to Brisbane from no further than one minute away, um, <laughs> gateway bridge and yep. um, your athletics, actual track events too. I wish you luck for those. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's been great to chat and be a part of what I think is a really awesome podcast for Brisbane and Queensland running. I really appreciate that. Episode nine today. So looking forward to hopefully it continuing and uh, I'm sure your presence on here will inspire um, more runners to, to jump on. So much appreciated. Have a great night. Thanks Enjoy. So where's, your, where's your long run tomorrow? I actually haven't decided yet. It's either going to be <laughs> Fernvale or um, probably Daisy Hill. Haven't decided yet. <laughs> Go work that out now. Uh, okay. I've, I've got three by five kilometers as my hardest long run in preparation for Gold Coast half. So yeah, not looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to nailing it. That's the, that's the thing. I'm going yeah. actually on the Jim Snow. Yeah, Jim Sawley. I am down from Mudgee yeah. Road there. I'll go out yeah. and back on there, nice and flat, like you've said, and hopefully nail it. I've got a bit of a dodgy hammy, like so we'll see how the hamstring goes. I'll warm it up nicely, make sure, make sure it's all nice and loose. <laughs> Literally heat pack on it. Yeah, see how yep. it goes. All right, thanks, Carl. Have a good weekend, eh? Yeah, you too. Thank Catch you. Catch up, bye.